I want to talk about something so, 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 so important from the Old Testament with New Testament ramifications, the era that we lived in. In fact, what I'm about to tell you is the signal event of the Old Testament, and what I'm about to talk about is repeated over and over again in the Psalms. God inspires people to keep looking back to it, and the prophets mention it. It's all important, but it has typical meaning. But typical here in this sense is not like, oh, that's typical. It means it's a shadow and it's a type, T-Y-P-E, of a deep spiritual truth. So let's see if we can learn something just in these moments that I speak. So let's do a little Bible history. This will help you now so you read through the Bible. I have a map You see up toward the right there, up there is the land of Israel, right? Up, upper right. The Sinai Peninsula is what's featured here, and Egypt is over there. Okay, so Abraham, the first of the Hebrew race, he lived way off the map to the east, and God spoke to him and told him to go west to a land that he was going to show him that his descendants would one day possess. So Abraham moved across and went up there. You see where it says Salt Sea, Dead Sea, Hebron, Beersheba. Up in that land that goes north of that is where he lived. But he only dwelt in tents. He only dwelt in tents. He was by faith looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. But he also realized, I'm not to possess the land now. It's going to come to my descendants. So he lived up there, and he begot a son, his famous son. Who was Abraham's famous son? Isaac. And Isaac's son was Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God became known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They lived up there, and then Jacob had 12 sons, and they turned against one of them, Joseph, and sent him down into Egypt over here. So he went down to Egypt, and he's there, and God was with him, and God favored him, even though his brothers tried to kill him. And then a famine came on the land, and Jacob and all the other family members up there, they're starving. And they go down because Egypt, under Joseph's leadership, has storage of food. That's amazing. So they come down to Egypt, and they don't know that it's Joseph who they tried to kill. That's another story for another sermon. And Joseph supplies for them, reveals who he is, and then says, how's, how's dad? And they go, oh, my goodness. We tried to kill him, and now he's being gracious to us. That's a picture of Jesus. Amen? We turned our back in him. We didn't listen to him, and he still keeps loving us. So... They send, and all of the Father, and all of the Jews, Hebrews, come down and end up in Egypt, and they live there. And they're treated fine, because Joseph is the man right next to Pharaoh, and they're treated good in Egypt. But they, Joseph dies, one thing leads to another, and then Egyptian leaders arise, and they don't know Joseph. They don't remember Joseph. Hey, who's Joseph? So the Hebrews who have been multiplying, they are not treated any more favorably. In fact, the Egyptians get afraid of them and make them slaves. You know this story, right? You saw the movie, Ten Commandments, long time ago? Read the book, it's even better, right? They're there for hundreds of years as slaves. 
And then God raises up Moses because he hears the cry of them. They're in Egypt. And Moses comes and confronts Pharaoh, you know, let my people go. And then after a series of plagues on the night of the Passover, which is going to be celebrated tomorrow, and they are delivered out and get out of Egypt. And they now cross the Red Sea over there, and now they're in the wilderness. Maybe a million, a million and a quarter. So they're in the wilderness, and they go and get the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And now, that's down here. They come down here. See, the red thing is their travels, right? And then, you see the red arrows? All of them are led by God. He's giving them manna. He's giving them food, supply, and they get to see that Kadesh Barnea, where is where they come there. And at Kadesh Barnea, God says, I brought you out to bring you in. I brought you out of Egypt so you can go into the promised land, which is north, a little bit out of the map. At Kadesh and Barnea, they send out 12 spies. They vote. Democracy and God never work together because the vote, it was 10 to 2. They can't do it. They went up and checked out the land and saw those tribes and the best, Jericho with its walls and all the, the armies and weaponry that they had up there. And they, were, they had been slaves for hundreds of years. They said, we can't do this. No way. At Kadesh Barnea, the spies come back and say, we can't. And then the people turn on Moses and go, Moses, what would you take us out for? What would you get? Well, in Egypt, at least we had garlic and leeks and onions. And now we're going to die. We can't go up and possess the land. They're too strong. We can't go back. The Egyptians will kill us. So thank you very much, Moses, for being such a gifted leader. And they want to kill him, stone him. God gets so angry with the people. He's about to punish them. Moses intercedes. And God says, okay, because of your prayer, I will not destroy them. But none of that generation will ever go up into the promised land. They're going to wander. They're out of Egypt but they're not into the promised land. Out of slavery, but not into the promise. Can I say something? Everybody in this building is somewhere on that map spiritually. Egypt is a picture of the old life. They were never allowed to go back to Egypt. God said, don't ever go back. Why? Egypt was a picture of us being lost under the power of sin, driven, compel, hurting ourselves, our family, our loved ones, missing out on God's purpose for our life. Why? Because we're, we're slaves. The New Testament teaches whoever practices sin is a slave of sin. You can't get loose. And it doesn't have to be just alcohol or drugs or immorality or pornography. It can be hate. It can be prejudice. It can be materialism. It could be I just want to relax and, and do nothing for the rest of my life, just being lazy. You can be a slave to laziness. It's not God's purpose. So that's what Egypt is a type of. So God got them out of there. And they had Passover. And in the New Testament, it says, now come on, let's get going because Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed. What got us out of Egypt was Jesus dying on the cross, not a lamb that you kill every year. You become a Christian because you put your faith in Jesus and that he died as a substitute for us. So the old picture of Egypt is out of Egypt. But what's so interesting here is for 40 years, they never made it to the promised land. God said, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. Now just go possess it. Mm -mm. They're wandering. Are they out of Egypt? Yeah. 
Are they into what God had for them? Nope. That's like you're out of Egypt, but you're not in. You're not even near Canaan. You've been wandering. I know about that. Just wandering. And you can say, well, praise God, look at the manna. He gave them manna when they were wandering and had displeased them. I know, but I got quail to eat. I had a big steak last night. I know, but that doesn't, God gives that to people who don't even know him. They had good food in Egypt. Don't you get it? God's doing something a little bit more. So, I took you from Abraham to the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness. And that red arrow, we don't know. They just have it to Kadesh Barnea, and then they see where they go back up, and they get to the side. You see the side over here, and that's where they start moving under Joshua into the promised land. But we don't even know where they wander. Some places are mentioned. A lot of it is a guess. But they're just wandering around, wandering around. Purpose? No purpose. Wake up in the morning. Where are we going? What are we doing? We're going nowhere. Like some of you, like me, wake up in the morning, just go to job. I have no purpose. I know, but God brought you out of Egypt for a purpose. There's like a promise. I don't know. I like the wilderness. I love sand. Why do you think so many Christians are depressed and anxious and always like leaning back to Egypt, just like they did? They kept saying, we want to go back. Christians are doing that. We do that all the time. You see people backsliding. They want to go back. They like Egypt. And God says, no, it cost me, my son, to get you out of Egypt. Now I have a promised land for you. Are you getting this here? This is the most important story in the Old Testament. Read Isaiah, Jeremiah, read the Psalms. They're always looking back and saying, remember when God delivered us. But he brought them out to bring them in. But a whole generation that displeased God got out but never in. You know where they died? They died in the wilderness. And their carcasses were eaten by the birds, the Bible says. And God was displeased. What's this all mean? The Bible tells us that at one point, as they get up on the side here and go up north, Moses dies. And he's succeeded by Joshua. So then we move from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what covered by what I just told you, different facets of the trip. And then we get to Joshua. Moses dies, and now Joshua is put in charge. And we read these words. Okay, so let's look. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, look what Moses' description was, the servant of the Lord. The greatest thing you can be is to be God's servant. Not famous, just God's servant. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River from west to east, uh, east to west, into the land I am about to, I'm giving it to you. I am giving you, wait, the land to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north and from the great river to the east, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country and to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. That's your land. No, no, wait, wait. You can't go to Cuba. You can't go to Trinidad. You can't go up into Italy. That's not your land. This is important. Here's the land that you get. I designate your land. 
and as you possess it, I'll be with you. No, don't go wandering off. Don't go back to Egypt and try to possess Egypt. I ain't giving you Egypt. I'm giving you this land that has spiritual significance. You can't go anywhere you want and just say, I'm taking this land. No, I'm going to give you where you put your foot. But wherever place you put your foot, where I tell you to, I will be with you and I will give you that land. But you got to be brave enough, rambunctious enough, energized enough to go and put your foot there. You got to take the land. Okay, you got it? You got to take it. But when you put your foot down, I'll be with you. You'll see it. But you can't go anywhere. There's restrictions. There's a perimeter. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wait. Be strong and courageous. This is mentioned three times in the first chapter. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. And I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then verses... Nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I told you that. And then the two things that are mentioned all the time. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. End of story. Get ready. We're going. Moses is dead. I was the one chosen to lead you in. And, you know, Joshua, that's interesting because Jesus is the Aramaic form of the Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua. He's the one who takes us into the promised land. He's not only the lamb who got us out of Egypt. He's the captain of the Lord's army, and he's the one who goes before us and gives us victory every place where we put our foot. What's the spiritual significance? Much in every way. This is all typical. This is a shadow of what? We know what Egypt is, and now we know what the desert is. It's out but not in. I wonder what percent of all the people go to church today around the world are somewhere in the wilderness. Oh, and they have excuses. They want counseling. They want to do a psychological analysis of what happened to them when they were nine years old. But the bottom line is they're out, but they're not in. And God is bigger than whatever happened to them. I'm not being simplistic. I'm standing on God's word. Psychological studies are not part of the New Testament. People believed and God trans... Come on, let's put our hands together. People believed. Now we know what that is. Wandering. Maybe you're wandering today. Maybe God brought you in here on a rainy day because you're not in Egypt denying that Christ is Lord, but you're sure ain't in the promised land. And by the way, let's just analyze the promised land that they were to go into. Number one, it was the promised land, and it had perimeters. They couldn't go anywhere. That's a picture of the will of God for our lives. I can't do anything. I can't go to India and be a pastor and be blessed by God because God didn't call me to India. You can't go wherever you want. He's in charge. How many say amen? But you say, oh, that's so limiting. It doesn't sound triumphant. Listen, if you stay in the land he gave you, you won't even recognize your life. It'll be so amazing. You have to stay in in your lane. (laughs) That's a good verse. You stay in your lane. 
You know, have you heard anybody say that? I say to my wife sometimes when she starts to torment me a little bit. I say, Carol, stay in your lane. My lane is over here. Your lane is over there. That's what I just, this, this came to me. God says, stay in your lane, the lane I tell you. But every place you go, I'm with you. No, but I feel like moving to California. Ooh, be careful. Is that your lane? Is that where God told you to go? Because if he didn't, no, I want to go back to Trinidad. Be careful. If you're led by God and go where he plans for your life to be, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. They'll be blessing. How many are following what I'm saying here? They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go anywhere. There's a false triumphant stuff in the church. Just do anything and everything. No. God has a great plan for our lives, but it has perimeters. I get invitations to go places. And as I pray about it, God says, not for you. No, but it's good. They're inviting me. They're good people, but not for you. Someone else is supposed to go, not you. And then when you go someplace that you're not supposed to be, ooh, that's a bad feeling. You can feel it. So, number one, the land had perimeters. Number two, the promised land had enemies. There were tribe after tribe, usually ending with I-T-E-S. Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, every kind of ite. They were there and their enemies. So now that makes us think, wait, I thought we sang songs where when we die, we're going to go to the promised land. That's biblically not accurate. Heaven has no enemies. We're not fighting anyone in heaven. Do I get an amen for that? The promised land is not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the will of God living that victorious, fulfilled, powerful, overcoming life, walking, doing what God wants you to do, saying what God wants you to say. And there's power and there's victory and there's joy as you are in the promised land doing what our Joshua told us to do, our Jesus. So we know now it has perimeters and there's enemies, but with the last thing God says to Joshua, he says, hey, get them up and moving and fight. Fight the enemies. I'll give you a victory over the enemies, but you've got to fight. You can't sit with a bag of Fritos on your, on your sofa and get the victory. Why do you think Paul says in the New Testament, I have fought a good... Oh, no, I don't want to fight. I just, I, I just like to hang and chill and look at my new iPhone. And no, no. That's why people in the wilderness, they don't want to get up and fight. Christianity is uh, militaristic. For we wrestle not against, but against principalities and powers. So the minute you try to take that land, there's going to be enemies come against you. Oh, yeah. Roman, the minute God tells you to do something and you say, yes, Lord, I don't see how I can do it, but you said I can do it. I'm going to do it. Of course, all hell will break loose. What do you think? The devil's going to cheer you on? Christianity is not for the faint of heart. You've got to be strong. Be a good soldier. Possess the land. Get up. Move. I'm with you. Fight. Confront. Goliath walked toward David. David ran toward Goliath. You don't beat anybody retreating. So just think how many are here today, hopefully not in Egypt. Oh, you need Jesus. You need to put your faith in Jesus to get out of being a slave. But don't be in the wilderness wandering around. You know, I don't know. Did you join the church? Oh, I've been going to that church. Why don't you join it? I don't know. I'm checking it out. How long have you been there? 21 years. Well, I mean, how long are you going to check it out? 
Get involved. Go. Join. Do something. Possess the land God gave you. Is this resonating with people up in the balcony? Lift your hand if it's resonating with you. Wave it so I can see. Good. Good. So the land had enemies. And the last word God gives to Joshua is tell them to go and fight. Now they had never fought enemies in the wilderness. They're wandering around. Why would the devil bother you if you're wandering in the wilderness? Just... What are we doing today, Mordecai? I don't know. What we did yesterday, just hang out. Just hanging out. I hear there's a new restaurant on Smith Street. Let's check it out. It's it's fusion, Greek and Nigerian, uh, whatever. Let's check it out. I know. But what's the purpose of your life? Look at me. What's the purpose? Why did Jesus die for you? Why did he bring you out of Egypt so you could live like you're living today? Sorry to be confrontational, but I've preached this to myself before I would dare preach it to you. I mean, what's the purpose? What's the, it, wait, wouldn't it be a waste? Jesus did all that to get you out of Egypt, and, and you don't want to go in and possess the land that he has for you? I'll tell you what that land is right now as I close. So what is that land? How can you know that you're in the land? How can you know if you're doing what Jesus or Joshua wants us to do. What's the New Testament counterpart? Well, number one, the land was a land of plenty. Plenty. It's a land flowing with, let's see if you know your Bible, with what? Homogenized or just natural milk? Milk and honey. You know what that means? I didn't know what it meant until I was an adult. Milk and honey means the land is so good and rich that you can keep cows and feed them, which means there can be milk. Honey means there's such vegetation and flowers and whatnot that the bees can come and make honey. In other words, richness, not leanness, richness. Now, God doesn't promise us physical milk and honey in every place we live. Elsie Larison down in Haiti, she's not living with physical milk and honey. Comfort, ease. She's in the middle of a of a crazy thing. So what's it mean, milk and honey? It means that God says, when you possess the land and step forward in, into the life I want you to live, I'm going to give you, an, uh, not a trickle, I'm going to give you a river of living water. You won't get water out of some rock. You're going to get living water, streams, rivers, flowing inside of you, peace and joy that you don't even know where it's coming from because it's not. Come on, let's put our hands together. That's the abundance. Peace, joy, direction, wisdom, discernment. Listen, look at this verse in Romans, one of my favorite, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking food, diet. Don't eat pork, don't eat this. That's got nothing to do with Christianity. What day you worship on, what holiday and all of that stuff. No, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in what? In the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. When people have entered into that spiritual promised land, they act right because God is working in them, both to will and to do. They've conquered their old habits because God is working in them. That's the promised land. Overcoming by the blood of the Lamb, by our faith, not captive anymore, not driven, not compulsive. 
You see some of the poorest people right over here next door on Smith Street. I see them every morning when I come. They don't look like they have a lot of money. They're buying the numbers. They're not buying just one. They're buying like 11. Wasting their money for what? I might hit it. Yeah, lots of luck. You're going to hit it. One in two billion, five billion, whatever. They're driven, though. They're driven. They do it automatically. Like some people, when they get stressed, just start cursing at people or get angry or turn to the bottle or drugs or whatever. But no more. No, you're going into a land of milk and honey. The kingdom of God is not right. It's righteousness, not about food. It's about acting right because God is giving you that spirit and power and ability and peace and joy. Just think of the lack and peace and joy that some of you have now. And Christ died for you and got you out of Egypt and you have no more peace than, than this watch I have. You don't have peace. You struggle to sleep at night. You don't have joy. You're depressed half the time. Even Christians who go to church, they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice instead of having joy unspeakable. How many want joy in your life? Look, coming from God, not coming from you. We can't, what do you think, we can disciple you into joy? How would I give you joy? Please, explain that. How would I teach you joy? Christianity is not a teaching religion, predominantly. It's a supernatural religion. Look, peace and joy, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. That's the promised land. That's what God wants for you. Don't you want that? I'm trying to shake some of you that are in the wilderness. No, but I got saved in Jamaica or wherever. Praise God, but are you out but not in? You got out of Egypt, but you're in the wilderness. There's no more purpose to your life than the man in the moon. I'm pre- I preach this to myself, so forgive me for being confrontational. A land of plenty. A lot of Christians you meet, they're living on little crumbs. Just little... They're cadavers. They just got a pulse. They have oxygen always over their face. Because they're just... Is that what God promised us? No. Number two... Almost done. It was not only a land of plenty, but it was a land of purpose. They had a purpose. Go in and get that spot. And chapters 13 through 19 of Joshua, the Lord speaks to Joshua and gives each tribe their specific territory. They couldn't go anywhere. They had to go where God said. Oh, I want to go where I want to go. Trust me, don't go where you want to go. Go where God says to go. And you'll save yourself so much trouble. Oh, my goodness. How many have found that in your own life? There's a way that seems right to a person, but the end is destruction. Go where God says go. Live where God says live. Talk like God says talk. It was a land of purpose. Even Jesus, his whole life, Jesus, every day he lived, he was just trying to fulfill the purpose and plan that God gave him when he sent him to earth. Look right at the end of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane before he died for you and me. Look what he says. He went away a second time and he prayed, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. That's how Jesus lived. What's what's your plan every day? Let your will be done. But what do you feel like doing? Uh Uh-uh, I've learned. That's a trick. That's a trick. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. How many want to do God's will? Every day, every hour, everything. And for us, look at this verse. 
for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will abide forever. Christianity is not going with the flow. It's going against the flow. It's like saying constantly, uh-uh, I don't live like you. I don't obey those enemies inside of me, the flesh, or the demonic powers trying to discourage me. I'm going to do the will of God. He's going to give me the strength. And if you're here today and you don't feel like doing the will of God, tell God, God, I don't feel like doing your will, but I know you died for me. Would you please break me and put your will in my heart so that I'll love to do your will? I want to be like Jesus. He loved to do the Father's will. I Listen, I know of what I speak. How many times have I prayed that? Lord, I don't want to do a lot of things. When I went in the ministry, you think I, that was, I wanted to get out. And then the Lord had to break me and say, no. Go my way, and you'll have things happen that will be so fulfilling. So it was a land of plenty, and it was a land of purpose. You know, doing God's will in little things. Let me just say this quick. It just happened. I wasn't planning to share it. Months ago, I saw a video of a song I like, a gospel song about the cross. And I saw this singing group sing and I see this guy as one of the singers and the Lord gives me a burden for this stranger and the tape is from like 2015 and I'm watching it and I start to pray for this guy I mean that's like weird right I don't know the guy so I asked Taranda you know Taranda and her husband I said do you know that group and do you know that guy oh yeah I know that guy yeah he was in that group And then his marriage fell apart. I think he had two children. And now we're not sure he's serving the Lord. I don't know. Maybe maybe I should. uh, Maybe that's why God had me pray for him. So yesterday morning, praying in my office, alone, I put on that song again. And there I see him again. Obviously, he's singing. And I had just dedicated my, my day to the Lord. And I had said, Lord... Sometimes, well, like in Elijah, you don't speak in the fire. You're not in the fire. You're not in the earthquake. You're not in the wind and the earth, the, the shaking of everything. Sometimes God speaks in what? Still, small voice. So, Lord, I'm going to obey. Help me. Give me grace to obey your still, small voice. So I go to listen to that song. I see him again. I get that burden. Now I'm crying. I'm crying over a dude I do not know. This is not normal. Would you say amen to that? And then I hear that voice say, call him and pray for him. No, I can't do that. I'm shy. If I don't know someone, someone has to intermediary or something. I just can't call someone. Hi, I'm Jim Similar. So I call, you know the guy, Joseph Haberdank, that sings here? I call Joseph. I said, Joseph, do you know that, this guy? His name is Kurt. And I said, he said, yeah, I replaced him in in that group. I replaced him as a young man. I said, so what what do you know about him? And he gives me a similar story. I said, listen, it's a Saturday. I'm praying for this guy. I don't even know him. But I'm going to obey the Lord today. Could you please go on Facebook and contact him? Oh, I haven't talked to him in years. I said, would you do me a favor, Joseph? Just 
tell him there's a, a man in Brooklyn praying for him, and would he like to talk to me? Half an hour later, Joseph texts me back and says, I made contact with him. He wants to talk to you. He's going to call you. And 15 minutes later, I get a text from the gentleman, and he says, uh, I understand you want to talk to me, and I'd be willing to do that. I didn't want to just call you, but I'm available now should you want to talk. So now I call. I'm talking to a guy I don't know. What am I going to tell him? I felt all kinds of strange. So I said, well, Kurt, I just got to tell you the truth. Oh, I know who you are. I used to be a minister of music after I left that group, and we did all of Carol's music, a lot of Carol's music, and I went, okay. So here's what. I'm crying and praying for you this morning, but I don't even know you. But then he knew. I said, so all I can figure is Jesus loves you so much that he found me in my office and had me intercede for you, who I don't even know. And then he broke because he knew this is weird. I said, that's how much God loves you. And then we talked. I said, could I pray for you? So we prayed. And I said, why don't you get on a plane sometime? He lives near Asheville. Why don't you get on a plane and come to Brooklyn for a weekend? Carol and I would love, I'd love for you to meet the church because he let me know I'm not with the Lord right now. I said, but when I saw you sing that song, you were with the Lord. When you were singing about the grace of God, you didn't mean that? I did. I did. I said that Jesus hasn't changed. Dude, you changed. Jesus didn't change. Come on, how many know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? I hung up that phone. I've been so rejoicing because that was God's will for me that day. God's will for you is not to hold a microphone and be a, preach, a pastor, a preacher. Maybe his will is for you to pray for someone, go to someone, speak to someone. Who knows what God wants you to do? But every place you go, there's going to be a purpose. You're going to follow his purpose. And lastly, it's a land of promise. The Lord says every place you do go, you won't go alone. No, 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 no. You will not be alone. I will be with you and give you the victory. Joshua, tell them, move forward. And don't back up when you see the enemies and don't get intimidated because I am with you. Don't be afraid, neither be discouraged. Would you please tell the people that? And I'm telling you that. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. There's enemies when you want to do God's will, but God is with us. Come on, can we just clap loud our hands? Somebody shout hallelujah. Look at this one last verse in Timothy. Look at it. For God, the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. How do you get self-discipline? From the Spirit of God. How do you get power from the Spirit of God? Love from the Spirit of God. Come on, some of you could be doing so many things for God, praying for people, calling people, stepping out in ministries here, working with other women, with other men. I love you so much, but I don't want you in the wilderness. If you wander in the wilderness, God's going to hold me responsible partially. Like you didn't get the people in. You just got them out. We want to go in. How many want to go in? Say aloud, amen. In whatever it is. I don't know what your in is, but I know God will help you. Close your eyes.
If you're here today and just, you know the Lord gave me this sermon for you. It's for everyone, but a special tug came at your heart. There was a little warmth in your spirit, like, ooh, ooh, God's talking to me. The Spirit's talking to me. Just get up out of your seat and come up here. Come on, move out of the balcony. More important than any place you're going. Just anybody, everyone, just come forward. I want to move from the wilderness, or maybe you're still in Egypt. Oh, please come forward. Get out of Egypt. Compulsive behavior, disobeying God. Come on. Right to the front. Maybe there's a future missionary here, Pastor Park. A future pastor. Someone who's going to be God's hand extended on a daily basis. Speaking, praying, ministering. Miracles, signs, wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you got to get out of the wilderness and say, Lord, I'm crossing over. I'm going right to the edge. Come on. Come on, step forward. Anybody else say, this was for me. I want to get not only out, I want to go in. I thank God that Jesus brought me out, but now I want to go in. Just talk to the Lord. Worship Him. Say, Lord, you brought me out of Egypt. Now get me into the promised land of your purpose, your provision. Lord, thank you for getting us out of Egypt. Bondage, slaves, who the sun sets free free but Lord we don't want to wander in the wilderness for the rest of our lives out but not in we want to live with purpose knowing your will and doing it by your grace we want your provision righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and a lot more we want to live Lord knowing your power. You said that in that land, wherever we put our foot, you would give us that. We wouldn't be defeated, cringing, cowards, afraid. We wouldn't be worldly, carnal, wasting our lives with things that pass away in a millisecond. But that we would be serious Christians, victorious Christians, representing Jesus to a lost world. Building up other believers, not in the wilderness, but in the promised land of your will, your provision, your power. Those who you have spoken to, Lord, you might have a calling on their life. Make, give us boldness and brave courage to step out. The enemy will always say, no, you can't do that, but he's a liar. Satan is a liar. Within your will, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Raise up out of these people in this auditorium, men and women who will do exploits for you, Lord. If you could speak to me in a chair about a man I don't know, what else is possible for all of us, Lord? Holy Spirit, we need you. Praise God. Can we give one last, come on, one last applause for the Lord.
So listen, first time visitors, you're going to go out to the back and down. They'll direct you. Don't move yet. If you're 30 something, you're going to go out, left, another left, and you'll see 163 Livingston Street. Your offering baskets there or online. I love you all. Turn around, give someone a hug, a handshake. <laughs>